You're listening to an episode of Welcome to the Teacher's Lounge, the podcast dedicated to honest conversations with educators about what they do and, more importantly, who they are. I'm your host, John LeMay, and I'm here to highlight the complex and rich lives led by teachers with diverse interests, identities, and stories. Hello there. Thanks for tuning in to episode 12 of the podcast. I'm excited for you to hear my conversation with yet another incredible educator. This week, I speak with Christine Garrison, who teaches art at a public high school in Oregon, and she teaches during the summers at Phillips Exeter Academy, which is where we met each other. Christine and I discuss her passion for teaching public school and why she returned to teaching in the public sector after spending some time in independent schools. We also talk about her frustrations with the opportunity gap that she witnesses as it pertains to many of her students' ability to pursue post-secondary education. And Christine shares how difficult it can be to truly adopt a growth mindset as a teacher while accepting the possibility of failing in front of students. You might hear some clicking at some points during the episode, and I just wanted to let you know that there's nothing wrong with whatever you're using to listen to the podcast. There were some minor issues with the audio that couldn't be edited out, so my apologies if that's a distraction at all during the conversation. Regardless, I really think you'll enjoy what Christine has to say. As always, please let us know if you're enjoying Welcome to the Teacher's Lounge by giving us a rating on the Apple Podcast app or on iTunes, and please take a minute to write a sentence or two and leave a review, which raises the odds of other folks discovering the podcast. With all that out of the way, please enjoy my conversation with Christine. Hi, Christine. Welcome to the podcast. Hello. Happy to be here. What I would like you to do to begin is go back to the first day of school. By that, I mean your first day of full-time teaching or just teaching in general, however you define that or, or conceptualize that for yourself. I'm curious about what you felt during that day, um, any big takeaways, any particularly vivid memories or feelings that you can, uh, that you can recall. I'm just curious about what, what stands out to you from your first day of teaching. Okay. Well, I started my teaching career at Lakeville South High School, which is in a suburb of Minneapolis-St. Paul. And I had actually started as a long-term sub in that position. And so I started uh, two weeks earlier than I was expecting to because it was a maternity leave. So uh, Uh, the woman that I was going in place for had the baby earlier. And so that caught me uh, off guard, definitely. As a brand new teacher, I had just graduated uh, that fall slash winter. So I was teaching photography primarily, and then also had an AP photography course and a couple other just drawing and painting classes. And uh, as a 22-year-old jumping into an AP photography position where all of my students were seniors, I remember that class probably most vividly just because it was intimidating as a 22-year-old to be teaching 18, and I had one 19-year-old young man in that class. So... Um, it was definitely a learning experience for me. Um, yeah, that age difference doesn't get like much smaller in terms of no. between te- teacher, high school teachers and high school students. Definitely not. Uh, and it was it was a great first position for me. It was a brand new high school. It had only been running for about two or three years. And so the facilities were pretty fantastic. And the school was about 1,400 students and uh, a pretty solid art program, even though the teachers were all relatively young and relatively new. 
So it was a great thing for me to just kind of jump in and already have a curriculum in place from that maternity leave teacher. So I learned a ton just from what she already had. And the students were also super great in that they had a really strong relationship with the teacher before me. And so, you know, already had kind of these routines set up and I was able to, to really just jump in and they were helpful and even showing me as much as like how to mix the chemicals in the dark room kind of thing. Right. So I they were literally teaching you in some literally. ways as well. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, that was super intimidating as a new teacher because you want to feel like you are the person in charge. And here I was like, oh, yeah, by the way, show me where that is or how to do right. that. Right. There's probably something very humbling about that uh, kind of like from the get go. Definitely. Well, and it sounds like so you you started so you, you didn't even begin at the beginning of the school year. It sounds like you were already like well into the school year by that point. Yes. Yeah, it was March. So. Oh, wow. Yep. So that sounds like a really interesting experience. And I, I know that's like the experience of like a long term sub. Oftentimes, like you're coming into a class that has been going for a while already. Um, but it sounds like there's probably a, an extra level of pressure, maybe also some relief because the class has already been like wound up and has been like, you know, set off. So you're just kind of like going to keep it going. But I would imagine that as like someone who hadn't done it before, that's probably more anxiety inducing than relieving. Yes. And I mean, there is, I think the the teacher who was leaving had a uh, an intention of leaving a much more well-developed lesson plan for me, but leaving right. two weeks ahead of time. Uh, it was not as well put together as I think both of us probably had hoped. So It never uh, is. No, and I had just gotten my license, I think, maybe like two weeks before it had been cleared. So I'd finished my student teaching and was started to look for jobs, and this one was a great fit, but it was definitely like, you know, jump in, feet to the fire, figure it out, and and go. And the, the kids had their AP exams coming up like six weeks later. So um, it was... It was intense, I would say, in that first two months. And uh, thankfully, the woman who I'd taken over for actually didn't come back. So it was a position that I got to keep then for the next two and a half years. Oh, wow. So you started that fall like as a full-time teacher at the same school. Yes. So would you even consider like the first day of the, the following year like, would you have even considered that to be like your first day of teaching? Or do you do you look back at that first day as a full time sub as like your first official day of teaching? I would say the, the first day of my full time supposition, because it really I mean, it was it still felt like my classroom, even though I was taking over for someone else. And I would say probably less. I was also teaching drawing and painting. And so probably less in, in the photography because she was a lot more. Um, it was her baby. It was her program because she'd only been there for a couple years. And right. uh, the other couple courses, I was glad that I had those to supplement. So there were a couple other teachers that were kind of helping me along with those. And we were kind of teaching similar classes in that vein. Right. Um, so I got to start to add some of my own kind of spin to those classes, probably a little bit faster than I did to the photography classes. Right. And uh, yeah, I mean, once I came back for the fall, that that felt more real, I would say. But uh, it was still, I would consider it maybe the first time that March. Yeah. Was it an overall positive experience? Oh, yeah. And I loved that position. It was an awesome school. And the, the colleagues that I had were were wonderful. Unfortunately, it ended due to a $7 million budget shortfall. And as an art teacher, um, right. as I have experienced a couple times, we are often the first to get cut. And so they cut right. every elementary art position in the district. And uh, that meant... Wow because we are licensed K-12, all of the elementary teachers were, and middle school actually, so they were riffed up to high school. So all of us at the high school lost our jobs, all four of the art teachers. Oh my God, yep. that's insane. Um, so how did you 
how did you like navigate that initial experience of like being so close in age to your students? Did you find that it kind of like went away as you went along or was was it something that you were always conscious of? Uh, I, I mean, I feel like it took until I was like late 20s for it to really kind of create that separation that I so wanted when I was that age. Uh, yeah. And I feel like social media also had something to do with that. I became very aware early on of uh, how private I had to make everything because the kids were just so strangely intrigued with my yeah, personal life I that know. they would find out things online that I would be like, how do you know that? Why, why right, do you right. care about that? But right. Um, and, and for a lot of them, it doesn't even take that long. No. Like, a lot of them will say like, Oh, I didn't have to look that far. It was like on the first Google page or the second Google page, which I feel like when they start going to like beyond the first Google page or even past like the first five results, like it does feel a little, there's something very off putting and kind of like unnerving about it. Yes. Yes. Yeah, it's part of the part of the pitfalls of being a younger teacher. But I think there are also some some pros that come along with that. Right. Um, when did you first uh, realize that you wanted to be a teacher or be involved uh, in education to some degree? Um, it's it's interesting. I didn't actually always uh, know that I wanted to be a teacher. I think a lot of people kind of come into it with that in mind. Um, I have a twin sister who had actually started an education major before I had, and um, my father's family is it's a long history of teachers and he was our school board president so for some reason I had decided early on that that wasn't going to be what I wanted to do so I started with mm-hmm. uh, just an art degree in college and then um, actually I volunteered at an elementary school kind of after school art program and the experience was that I was teaching them this very rote like draw the circle here draw the triangle mm-hmm. here color this brown color this blue and I hated it <laughs> what did you hate <laughs> like about I thought it that it I hated how structured it was. Gotcha. That the products that they were making were gorgeous because it was very much like step one, step two, step three. It was very product oriented and not process oriented. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I thought that if that is the only thing that these kids are getting as eight, nine, ten year olds, right. that that's tragic. That's awful. And um, so I, I didn't last very long in that volunteer position because I just didn't like the way that that program was structured. But Uh, It made me go back and kind of look into how the high schools in the area were handling education and and volunteered a little bit there and um, decided that, you know, maybe I should look into education a little bit more because it was something that I really strongly believed in. And I had a pretty strong experience when I was in high school and um, enjoyed it as like a very meaningful part of my education. So just added it on as a junior and senior in college. And so I ended up still getting a studio art degree with an art education uh, concentration as an addition. And you knew from the get-go that you would be, that you would want to teach art? Yes, yeah. And that was always, it was just because I loved it. Um, I think I I probably wouldn't have gone into education in anything else. It was truly like this was, you know, kind of a good addition to the art that I was already making. And I wasn't quite sure what I wanted to do with my artwork itself. I actually thought that I wanted to go into graphic design initially. And then I got an internship working for our college magazine. And I hated staring at the computer for eight hours a day, just working on my own. And I realized I really love gotcha. to work with people. Yeah, that makes sense. Have you been able to like still do your own art as well? Like I know for people who go into teaching and it involves like something that they love to do such as like music or I know I identify with this like as a writer and as someone who teaches writing as well like it can be hard to maintain like that ability to continue on with your art but how how is your what has your experience been like with attempting to do that 
Uh, I've, it's definitely been a challenge, and I think I've been trying to be a lot more intentional with it in the last couple of years. I went back for my graduate degree a few years ago, and uh, the program that I was a part of through Boston University was really big into stressing kind of the the artist side of being an artist teacher. So uh, I realized that you have to structure the time in. It won't happen if you just want to keep it as a hobby on the side. It, you know, as teachers, we get bogged down by a lot of the extra things that are tagged on to our position. So uh, setting goals for yourself in terms of the, your own art making and production definitely helps. And I would say that I, I know me and I've mastered that and have figured out exactly when that's going to fit in, but I'm trying to right. a little bit more. Well, even just giving yourself permission to to do that and to like, you know, say no to some of the stuff that comes along with teaching and those extra responsibilities and say like, no, I want to make time for this thing that is really important to me and is a big part of why I went into education. Even that is like, is huge in terms of like your ability to continue on with that. Did you, um, when you started teaching, did you think that you would be doing it like forever or as, as, as long as you have been doing it? Or did you think like, I'll do this for a little while and then maybe do something else with art that will transition to something full-time or was there a moment when you realized that you were kind of in it for the long haul um yeah I would I would say I after I had gone into it I I realized that I enjoyed it and um I think beforehand when I was still in college and not quite sure hadn't actually had experience teaching I thought that maybe it was just like a lot of uh teaching artists I think often think of is it's a good way to to pay the bills at the same time yeah um, but once, once I actually got into the teaching, I, I actually really love it. And I had that first experience at Exeter, Phillips Exeter Academy when I was a junior in college and mm-hmm. did an internship. And, um, I thought with the access students who are entering eighth and ninth graders, that that was the age group I really loved mm-hmm. and wanted to work with. Um, and then what I did in my student teaching, uh, art teachers are licensed K through 12. So you have to have two placements, a middle school and a high school. So I, taught once at a middle school, had sixth through eighth grade, and then taught at the high school. And I realized that I was a much better fit with the high school students. Um, that Why is that? <laughs> I mean, I, I, I can understand that as yes. a high school teacher, yeah. um, but I'm curious about your reasons. Well, I think, I mean, I would get home from that middle school position and feel like I could sleep for 24 hours. Like each day, <laughs> right. I was so mentally exhausted because it was so much more classroom management. Yeah. And I didn't feel like I really got to know the kids as well, because you also have mostly every student, you know, in the school throughout the week. And so they don't always meet as frequently as you have in high school. Right. Um, In high school, like now I have oftentimes my seniors, I see three or four times a day because they end up signing up for multiple classes. And I just build a much stronger relationship and I see the growth a lot more at the high school level. And that's really rewarding, I think. Do you also find that with high school students, they're a little, there's a little more buy-in to their own like artistic interests or identities. Whereas with middle schoolers, it's just like, I like drawing or making stuff or I don't know that, that might just be like a stereotype that I have, but I can imagine that a little more buy-in with the high school students. Yeah. And, and I think a lot of that has to do too with, um, in middle school, at least where I was teaching, it was a required course. And so you got every student and even though art is a, you know, it's a core subject that's required for all high school students. They could still sign up for a theater or choir or dance or something else if art right. was not their interest. And so oftentimes if I do have intro classes, it's 80% students who want to be there, maybe 20% kids who just need the credit. And right. in middle school, it was not that 
it was right, a much right, lower right. percentage of kids who actually wanted to be there. Yeah, I can imagine. As someone who took an art <laughs> class in middle school and absolutely hated it, uh, I can definitely identify with that. And that's yeah. the reason why I have not taken an art class Ugh, since then. So sad. So I know, I know. I probably just didn't have the right teacher. I'm it's sure. True. I feel like I would have a blast uh, in your art class. I appreciate so, that. Yeah, take that for take that for what it is. <laughs> um, tell me a little bit about what you were like as a student, really at any point that that makes sense to uh, to start at we can go as far back as preschool or kindergarten but i'm curious about what you were like as as a learner um if there was any sort of like development there and also maybe how that impacts you as uh, as an educator well uh, i i went to high school at a public school in kind of rural oregon in the willamette valley and uh it was one of those schools where you were with the same people from preschool through high school and every now and then somebody would move into the district but you knew exactly who they were kind of thing yes so we graduated with about 250 students which was pretty big actually for our area Mm -hmm. and um i (laughs) it's like i almost hate to admit this but i was what i was basically referred to as like Susie high school like oh wow uh, three sport athlete (laughs) class president um very involved in anything like straight a kid and Mm -hmm. i was highly competitive in everything that i did and just felt like I really um, needed to be the top in whatever it was that I was doing. And I think part yeah. of that has to be just, you know, like the the small, small town, like big fish, little pond kind of yep. situation. Um, yeah. And my, uh, I mean, my twin sister was also very similar. And so I think there was a little bit of that competitiveness maybe between us as well. Yeah, of course. So, um, was she also involved, like, with student government? Was she, like, your vice president she was or your treasurer she, or something like that? Yeah, she was, we we played sports together. So we also okay. we had that dynamic. Um, but she she was not an artist, and I think that was – she decided that was my thing, and so she didn't want to do that. Um, mm-hmm. And she didn't want to do the student government thing, but I think that was more because she's a true introvert and never wanted to stand in front of anyone ever. Gotcha. So that makes sense. Yep. Um, everything you're saying really resonates with me because I don't know. I don't know what the what the equivalent, the male equivalent of Susie High School is. Johnny, Johnny. Yes, High there we go. Yep. Um, yeah, I totally the exact same thing. And what you're saying about like big fish, small pond, and I had an even smaller pond because I was my graduating class was like 98 students. You get it. Yeah. So did that did that kind of like continue on into? Um, I mean, college is a whole different experience. Uh, you know, just in terms of like the size, even though it sounds like you, I think you went to a pretty small college, right? Yeah, we had about 3000 students. It was mm-hmm. um, a small liberal arts college in the Midwest, St. Olaf College. And um, I was actually, I mean, coming from my high school, I was one of three students, one of my sister being the other ones uh, who went out of state for college. And wow. um, that was, it was just kind of the MO, you go to University of Oregon or you go to Oregon State or you go to the community colleges. And uh, my parents had both went to liberal arts colleges in the Midwest and in, on the West Coast. And so that was kind of what I was looking for. And so it was a little bit of a rude awakening, even though it was still a relatively small school. It was bigger than a lot of the other schools that I was looking at. Right. And it was an adjustment. I, I played volleyball there as well. And that was uh, something for me to go from, you know, being a team captain kind of kid to like, oh, I'm actually probably the worst on this team right now. And <laughs> right. Um, same thing in the art classroom where I was looking around and I didn't even know, like I didn't have a portfolio or anything coming into college. My, my art program in high school, I loved it, but it was very much like you do what you want, 
there's not right. much structure and right and like if you care like right. you're probably in like the <laughs> upper the upper tier yep um what kind of relationships did you have with your teachers um i i really had i had uh, it was actually interesting that my middle school art teacher was one of my favorite people ever and i think like subconsciously she probably had a little bit of an influence on me because i distinctly remember her saying at some point that she had the best job in the world because she just got mm-hmm. to to play all day. And, yeah, you know, I think there's definitely some truth to that. Like I don't envy a lot of my coworkers in other disciplines just because I feel right. like it's a lot more like work work. Whereas, you know, I get to wander around and help kids with their art projects, right, right. which is pretty great. So, um, she was a, a great influence on me very early on. And, um, you know, I had a pretty close relationship and I think part of that also with my uh, high school teachers was that it, again, it was a small town. And so a lot of my teachers were my friend's parents and my father's coworkers and, you know, knew the family from my brother and my sister. Yeah. So, um, I, I had a pretty well connected experience all throughout school. Yeah. Would you, uh, would you identify yourself as like a pleaser as a oh, student? Definitely. And that was one of the things that drove me nuts was, uh, I got one a minus in high school and I felt like, I did not connect with that teacher, and I still resent her probably a little bit more than I should for that. <laughs> you don't. You don't have to mention the teacher, but I'm curious about the class. Um, this is where it gets a little bit where I was having a question because it was my senior year uh, student government class. Oh, gotcha. And so I had been the class president the year before, and then decided not to run for senior year, and so it was just in a council position. And like student was, council? Yes. That's the that literally the exact same thing. <laughs> happened to me like I, I was class president for uh sophomore and junior year and then I decided not to run my senior year yep. and just became student council although yeah. that was like I think everyone was pretty okay with that but but yep. you feel like this person never really uh yeah, forgave me, you well, for that was, and I think as a teacher too I probably like internalized this because there was no grading criteria like I never knew nobody knew what grade they had in the class yeah and there were never really any expectations it was just like you always had projects that were going on Right. And I always felt like I was very involved in the project. So then when I got, it was myself and then one of my other good friends that both got A minuses and we got our report cards. It was just, we were both furious because oh, no. there was nothing you could do at that point. It was yeah. summertime and, you know, right, right. didn't really matter, but to us it mattered. <laughs> more, more trouble than it's worth. Yep. I understand that. Yep. Um, do you have a sense of how your experience as a student and the type of learner that you were, like how that's impacted you as an educator? Um, if at all. Yeah. I, it's interesting because I don't, I don't feel like I often get a lot of students who kind of fit in with what I am. And that's part of, partly, I think, because I'm teaching at a much larger school where I'm at right now. I have, we have 2,200 students and, uh, the, the situation I think actually creates a little bit more of the silos of kind of the, the cliches of what an art student is as opposed mm-hmm. to somebody who's really involved in every kind of facet of the school and, or, you know, is an athlete and an artist or is yeah. involved in theater and dance, whatever it might be. Um, so I often find myself kind of defending the, the Susie high schools, maybe to some of my kids who feel like they don't mm-hmm. belong in the art room and, right, right you know, don't want the varsity football player to have anything to do with a painting class kind of thing. Right. And might be also like resentful if they like are actually really good. Right. Right. Yep. Interesting. So 
transitioning a little bit, um, I'm curious about what you think about the ways in which we um, are failing our students as teachers or what it looks like when we fail our students as educators or what it looks like when the system uh, fails fails students. So you can really respond to any aspect of that um, that appeals to you or that you, you feel like you can answer, but I'm, I'm curious about what you, what you think about that. Um. I, th- I think there are a couple things. Uh, one of the, the bigger systemic issues is something that I've noticed just, I think, through my background as you know, a student who grew up in a pretty small town, but then having had an experience, I've been teaching at Phillips Exeter Academy for the summer now for 12 years. And mm-hmm. so I see a little bit different demographic, obviously, there. And also, I had taught private school when I was in Minnesota for the last couple of years before I moved to Oregon. And so they're still very clearly... in. I should preface this with uh, the school I'm teaching at right now. We have uh, almost, I think it's close to 70% free or reduced lunch qualification. It's a pretty mm-hmm. low income uh, district. And we have about uh, 40% who are considered English language learners. And so what I've noticed is, is just kind of this overall um, kind of class system failure of what's expected of our students just based on where they're from. And right. it's something that I've really struggle with. And I saw it growing up as well. And, um, I always had an expectation for myself that I would go on to college and that I would have uh, a career and not just a job. And I didn't necessarily know what that was yet, but that was Mm -hmm. something as part of my path. And, um, in talking with my students in the school that I'm currently at it to them doesn't feel like it's even a possibility yet. And I have had, uh, for five years now, a grant, for uh, taking kids to local colleges and experiencing both a community college atmosphere, private schools, public schools, and getting to see what that next level looks like as well as uh, some art school experiences. And Mm -hmm. what I've come to find out is just that they have so little exposure because most of the time their parents haven't gone through uh, post-secondary education and really much, uh, maybe community college, but um, also just with the price tag that comes along with that these days that it's, right. it becomes something that's out of their reach. And so the expectation is that um, they, they're just going to graduate from high school and, and get a job. And I, I struggle with that <laughs> just right. because I see so many super talented and excited kids about learning that um, it would never have flown, no matter what the economic situation was of a kid, had they been at an independent school or had they been at the private school I was at. Like you would, you right. would carry that kid along, and you would find some ways for them to access an education. Right, it would work out somehow. Yes. So I think um, having some additional funding, where it's not necessarily, especially in the public school system, uh, divided by which counties are willing to pass a levy and which are not. And a lot of times that has to do with which counties are red or blue. And we've been lucky enough and I've been very thankful in this county that we recently passed a levy last year to to add some more um, funding to our electives programs. And so we've got more voc tech training as well as a pretty robust elective system and uh, good connections with our community college. And Oregon has also added free tuition to students for two years at mm. community colleges. And so I think that's opening the door a little bit more. It's providing a little bit more right. opportunity. But it's still, it's very, very stark and very clear, just depending on which part of the country and which even pocket within those states you're from. Yeah. That, yeah, that totally makes sense. Yeah. I'm curious about what informed your decision to go back to public school, apart from just potentially a, a job offer. Because um, this might just be reflective of like 
I don't know, my failure to know a wide variety of educators, but I don't know a lot of teachers who go from, it sounds like you started out in public and then Mm -hmm. was in private for a little while and then went back to public. I think just because like there are different challenges that, you know, both require, um, you know, I, I can attest that a little bit just as someone who attended public school as a student and has been teaching in private schools um, since I started teaching. But yeah, I'm, I'm wondering, like, what informed that decision? And I guess just why you why you teach public school, because everyone has different reasons why they teach private versus public or charter or, you know, whatever the type of school is. Um, I, I see, I see the benefits to, to both sides of the educational coin. But uh, when I when I actually took this job in McMinnville, it was completely on a whim and another situation where as an art teacher, I was faced with uh, accepting a little bit of a, a pay cut slash job cut just due to, to funding, even at the private school level. Right. Um, and it looked like a, a great position for me. So it, it ended up being a really good fit. And I what I like about teaching in the public sector is um, that you really do at least for me, I found students in the arts, uh, that were like that, that was their passion. And it's, it's something that for a lot of them is a really consistent, solid area for them when they don't necessarily have that in other areas of their lives or even in other classes in the school. Yeah. And a lot of times when I was at the the private school, um, I was having a lot more pushback from parents on, uh, my student did not get an A in this class and right. you're now going to ruin their chances for the future, et cetera, et cetera. Right. How could you dare give them anything but an A? It's an art class. Why does right. it matter? Right. A is for art. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and I, I never get that. Well, I won't say never. Every once in a while I get that still at public school, but I feel like there's just uh, a little bit more respect. And I have a pretty strong administrative team and I, I really thank them a lot for how much support that they've given the arts and the electives at our school. And I know 110% they would back me up if I ever had an issue with a parent that was related to that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the other side of the the public coin is, you know, the, the stories that my students have, especially where I'm at right now, are often, you know, pretty gut-wrenching, pretty heartbreaking. And, and you do feel like you're making a pretty big impact in their life. Yeah. Um, by providing some stability and a place where they can succeed at a pretty high level. And uh, we have a, a strong program and an AP studio art program that gives them a chance to kind of see what it would be like at the, the next level and pursue it as a career and uh, give them a little bit more sense of what that might look like. So I try to include a little bit more of the, the career information, a little of the uh, kind of meetings with other artists and people that are in the field. And I always have to kind of correct and defend my students a little bit when I think they get some pushback from society and, you know, how can you ever make any money in the arts? And I just Mm -hmm. uh, challenge anyone to stop and look around wherever they are right now and just think of how many things were designed or created by an artist in some capacity or not. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, what would you say to the question uh, of how like, we as individual teachers in individual classrooms can fail students or what that looks like when we when we fail our students? Um, I, you know, one of the biggest things that I notice a lot is just not getting to know kids on the level that they require sometimes. And I, I yeah. often see that the types of kids who are, quote unquote, the bad kids in other areas 
and no kid wants to be the shitty kid. Like no kid wants to yeah. be the bad kid. Right, right. And there's something else going on there. So figuring out what it is, digging a little deeper versus just figuring out that they're a behavior issue and uh, kicking them out of the classroom kind of thing and, and not addressing whatever it is that's the wraparound. And, you know, it's one of the downsides of the public school situation is when we do have oftentimes, like in my intro classes, I've got 35 kids, which is massive. Right. That's huge. Yeah. And I have I an hour even, and a half. I can't even picture that. Yeah. And, you know, if you break that down, I have what, 30 seconds per kid to actually right. like sit and talk with them per day in those situations. And it's not a situation that allows for me to really get to know them. And, and if you could add a little bit more funding. And so instead the classes were closer to 20 or 25, even that sounds delightful yeah. and wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, my biggest class this this uh semester is like 17 i think and when i when i see that roster i'm like oh my god that's like so that's way too big but <laughs> i understand that's a reflection of how uh, how spoiled i am yep. as a as a cushy private school private school teacher so shifting gears a little bit um i'm curious if there's a favorite like piece of advice that you've received as an educator or if there's something that you find yourself like reminding yourself of um, lately, or if there's anything that you would communicate to maybe someone who's starting out in education, like something that in reflecting back on your trajectory as an educator, um, something that you wish you had known when you started your your first day. Um, I know that's there's a lot that I'm throwing at you um, with with that question, but or even if it's just something that you know, as you've wrapped up this past year that you just thought like, wow, this is this is like the big takeaway from you know, my experience as of late? Well, the thing that keeps popping into my head is just, you know, we, we stress it a lot for our students, but growth mindset and, you know, as, as educators, I think we all understand that we're continually learning and it's okay to adjust curriculum. It's okay to even fail with an assignment that I remember mm -hmm. early on, uh, you know, when I was throwing some new things together and there's the beauty and the downside of being a non-tested subject matter in a, a public school that you get to design everything. And so every piece right. of curriculum is your own. And um, that over time I have adjusted, I think every year, probably most projects, just because I feel like yeah. for one reason or another, it needs some adjustment or trying something new. And um, I just remember early on when something didn't go right, I would be so hard in myself and I would have a hard time even, even necessarily like fussing up to it, to the kids and being willing to say, you know what, that just didn't go right. Let's try this another way. Or, or I don't know, like, that's a hard thing. I think as educators to say that as well. And, um, as an art teacher, we have to be jack of all trades, oftentimes master of none. I have to know every medium in every, right. you know, art sector possible in every genre and even art history. And so, a lot of times a kid will ask me a question and you know, now I'm perfectly fine with, you know, saying, you know, well, why don't you look that up? I have no idea. Or why don't you figure out how to do that? Right, I right. have never tried that before. And uh, being willing to let yourself experiment and to be okay with failure, even though we stress it for our students is a really hard thing, especially as a Susie high school has to be top of your class for everything. Right. You have to be good at it. And it's, it feels bad if you're not, but um, it's an important piece of it. And we learn best obviously from, from failure and mistakes. So yeah, that totally checks out. Yeah, I, <laughs> I think for me, I, I when I when I started teaching, like I just it was made abundantly clear, like on the very first day, that I just didn't know what I was doing 
fully. And I think that I've, I've always been the kind of person who, if I don't know what I'm doing, like I just need to be transparent or I shouldn't say I've always been like that. I learned yeah. to be like that really, you know, mostly in college. Cause I went through that like big fish, small pond yeah. into small fish, big pond situation. So I definitely learned that sense of transparency pretty early on and it has served me very well, but I still encounter issues with admitting when I don't know. So something or admitting when something has just not gone the way I had hoped it would. And I think the kids really respond well to that transparency, even though we think that it's going to result in a loss of trust or a loss of respect on on their part. Yeah. Great. So what I would like you to do if you are currently feeling up for a little challenge (laughs) is pitch yourself as an educator or capture your essence as as an educator, as a teacher, to the best of your ability in 30 seconds. So I'm going to throw 30 seconds up on the clock and just anything that comes to mind doesn't have to sound good, doesn't have to sound smart. Um, It just has to be accurate in this moment um, for you right now. Okay. Great. So I've got 30 seconds on the clock and I will count you in in three, two, one, go. A teaching artist who is just trying to continue to practice uh, what I preach and learn a little bit more about uh, the art forms that I'm interested in, as well as teaching my students how to be passionate about the process and really valuing what it takes to uh, work through something Ten and seconds. to value uh, the imagination and the creativity that we all have. Wonderful. And you have a couple seconds to spare. Great. Now I would like you to do that uh, once more, but this time I would like you to capture your essence as an educator to the best of your ability in 10 seconds, okay? Okay. So I'm throwing 10 seconds on the clock, and I'm going to count you in in three, two, one, go. All right. Valuing uh, the process and understanding that we are all still learners in our own creativity. And do you even have a couple seconds to spare with that, too? (laughs) Excellent. Awesome. So now what I would like you to do is just capture your essence as an educator in one single solitary word. Process. Cool. I love that. That's great. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for talking with me, Christine. Um, It's been really great to get to know you the past few years um, as we've been colleagues at um, Phillips Exeter during the summer. Uh, It's been awesome just getting your insight and your unique experience as a public school teacher, as an art teacher, as a a fellow uh, member of the Susie Johnny High School uh, (laughs) group of people. Um, Yeah, and I just really appreciate you sharing your uh, your experiences and giving so much of your of your time and being so open. Well, I appreciate it. It was great to be on the podcast and uh, I love having a voice for artists and public educators everywhere. Awesome. Well, we appreciate it. All right. Thanks again, Christine. Thank you. Thank you once again to Christine for offering her insight and time during our conversation. This podcast was created and hosted by me, John LeMay. Our associate producer is Emily Moeller. Our cover art is by Katie Cooper, and our theme music is You Need a Visa by Really From. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope you'll join me next week for another episode featuring another teacher and another story.